Hey everyone, welcome back to Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast. I'm your host, CJ Baumgartner, and it has been a while. For those of you watching on the YouTube feed, you can tell it looks a little bit different. I have a little bit of stuff uh, in the uh, in the background behind me here. Uh, got a uh, Twins sign, got a Twins poster, and ultimately I'm recording in a whole new place. And maybe you can tell if the audio is not quite where it uh, needs to be, but it's uh, a new adventure here. Is, uh, recently, over the last couple months, I do apologize for uh, not being necessarily great with posting because uh, me and my wife, we moved houses not very far, just about 10 miles from where we were staying previously, but new house means new podcast location. And of course, if any of you have ever moved, uh, you usually never get all of your stuff unpacked within the first like week or two or even month of when you move into a place. And that's just kind of where it's been. I had busy with some work stuff when we first moved. And then uh, just overall with summertime and being busy and never really had an opportunity to sit and unpack and get all my podcast stuff in the studio and everything uh, ready to go. And again, still trying to work through some of the bugs if this is going to be a, a great podcast studio, if I need to get some uh, kind of new things in here, if I needed to work out the bugs. So uh, that's just my forewarning of things sound weird. If things look weird uh, online on the video stream, uh, I apologize. Uh, we'll just kind of see how this goes because uh, again, first time doing it in a while. I uh, appreciate you guys who have been waiting. Uh, really, really disappointed that I hadn't been posting as often uh, because the podcast had really been building some momentum. And I really appreciate all you guys uh, who are listening throughout and who are coming up along the way. And it was really a lot of fun. And now I hope we get to pick this up and do it a little bit more again. Uh, just kind of trying to, the reason it took a little bit longer too is kind of wanted to wait, to wanted to wait for some new equipment. You can see in the video stream, I got a new microphone and maybe that makes me sound worse because it's better. I don't know. I got a, a, some new stuff to kind of help uh, the podcast grow a little bit and some of the other podcasts I do. So I really do appreciate you guys hanging on and uh, sitting through this because took a break to make sure that I could get some stuff ready and get some stuff going and uh, we're going to go through it. So uh, thank you guys. And let's jump right into the twins because since we last talked, I think the twins were in the middle of a series against the Yankees or we're doing something or another. I mean, it's, it's really been a while. I think Jorge, I think basically as long as Jorge Polanco has been out has been how long that bombs away has been on hiatus. Cause Jorge Polanco, if you remember, did not start the season uh, on the active roster and then eventually came back and played really well early on and then kind of slowed down a little bit and then went back on the injured list and then missed uh, really two months worth of time, about as long as I've been out, as we just said, with uh, uh, from the, taking a break from the podcast here. So Polanco now back, and it's been kind of so-so. He's not been great, but necessarily hasn't been a train wreck, but uh, that's just kind of the timeline since we've last spoken. A lot has happened. Um, you know, Royce Lewis has came back. Royce Lewis has played well. Uh, there now he's hurt again and now he's almost on his way back. Uh, there's a couple other things, um, that really got on Pablo Lopez and Sonny Grabe and all stars, the whole Joe Ryan debacle. We'll get into, uh, in just a second, the players only meetings and, uh, Baltimore and getting swept by the Royals. And, uh, there's just been a lot of stuff in this season that we didn't get to cover and it's my fault, but we're just kind of going to pick up pieces and 
just kind of go where we can. So let's start off with the trade deadline and, and really the lack thereof moves for the Minnesota Twins. So I was expecting, and if you've seen some of my writing for zone coverage, you can kind of tell what my outlook of the trade deadline was going to look like. You know, you didn't necessarily, I appreciate the Twins for taking that big swing in 2022. I know there's a lot of people that want to rip the twins for the trades and look, they screwed up on those trades. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they were good trades, but I appreciate a team that's like, Hey, they, we are teetering. Do we go for it? Do we not? Hey, let's go for it. And they took a big swing and they took a big miss. They whiffed, they struck out bases loaded, whatever you appreciate the swing, but at the same time, you didn't get the results. You can't sit here and give them a participation trophy at the same time. Uh, I appreciate a team going for it more often than not. It's the same thing with Carlos Correa, even though Correa has had his moments here and there, but ultimately has not been producing at the level he should be. And especially at the rate his pay is for the twins. Uh, I still don't fault them. Like they still need to go for that. I still would do the Correa signing and still do last year's trade deadline 10 times out of 10, because that's sometimes what you have to do in the right situation. The timing is right for the Correa signing. The timing is right for that trade deadline of, of, you know, teetering. We got to go for it. There was only one year left to Correa. Anyway, all of this is kind of the background information of this year's trade deadline. And this year's trade deadline was, you don't need to trade for Josh Hader, Paul Goldschmidt, Juan Soto, Nolan Arenado, what everybody was all kind of, you know, the big name seekers were saying that was out there for the twins you really didn't need to get any of those guys, let alone Shohei Otani, by the way. You didn't need to go and get any of those guys. All you needed to do was pick up like a Tommy Pham, a Mark Canna, uh, one of those kind of players uh, who could really be useful for your team as a platoon bat, or you could use a bullpen arm. Again, you could use the platoon bat because the Twins are the worst team in baseball against left-handed pitching their OPS of like 657 is dead last they're 30th out of 30 it's not good so picking up an extra right-handed bat would have helped also picking up an extra bullpen arm uh just again to deepen the bullpen the twins did make one trade in that regard and that one trade was shipping Jorge Lopez out and bringing in Dylan Floro, who pitched for the Marlins, but he had also pitched for the Dodgers before and a couple other teams. So uh, basically, Dylan Floro keeps the ball in the yard, doesn't strike out a ton. He doesn't overpower you, but he just gets you to hit it for outs. So uh, it's a fun, he's fine. Like then that's not a rip. That's not necessarily a compliment. That's just kind of a matter of fact. He's a guy. He's fine. He's not, if you're looking at him to be your high leverage guy, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, every single time, if you're just looking at him as, hey, he's another arm in this bullpen that we can use in certain situations. Yeah, sure. It's a good move. And I think the biggest thing out of that floral for Jorge Lopez swap is really, I mean, Jorge Lopez, again, we missed this because of the podcast hiatus. Uh, Jorge Lopez had been on the mental health list and which is good, needs to take that time, needs to get his head right. That's not trying to minimize that at all. At the same time, it's just kind of been a microcosm of he's been a head case since his time in Minnesota, since early on when he was blowing saves and he was punching the mound and uh, last year in 2022, and really no part of Jorge Lopez's twins tenure has been easy. It's been very rocky. There were a lot of high expectations, not just in the role he was put in, in the back end of the bullpen and even closer role at the, you know, around this time last year, but also just the prospects that they gave up and just kind of what it meant and, and looking at all that and, 
uh, Jorge Lopez definitely, and I'm not trying to demean the guy, but he definitely crumbled in a little bit of that pressure. And then the twins were kind of left figuring out what to do. And trading Jorge Lopez is probably the best. Just give the guy a fresh start. Say, Hey man, you go, you just, you figure it out in Miami. Let's, we don't, we don't have to do this anymore. And Dylan Floro comes into a team uh, where he can kind of slot in as like the fourth or fifth best reliever. Um, you know, maybe the fourth best reliever kind of depending on how you view a guy like Pagan, depending on how you view a guy like Jax, depending on how you view a guy like Thielbar, uh, some of those other arms in the bullpen. Uh, but I think the floral for Lopez swap is good overall, because I think the twins just took the L on the trade. They're like, we're not going to win this trade. Dylan Floro is a guy who can at least provide some value. Whereas Lopez is sinking in our value. And if you're the Marlins, you get a guy, you get kind of the project of Jorge Lopez of like, Hey, what if we bring this guy in? And what if he works his tail off and maybe in a different situation, he doesn't necessarily need to come in and be the closer. He can just come in and be a six, seventh inning guy and see how that works out. Uh, but overall with that trade, uh, it's fine. That, but it was in the sense of if that's your only trade deadline move, it's just incredible. Like that's it. If that's the, Hey, this is the first move of a couple more. And then we're going to get you another bullpen arm. doesn't even necessarily need to be a closer type role. Just another guy to deepen the bullpen and prevent the workload of innings that uh, Moran and Pagan have to pitch in Giovanni Moran and Emilio Pagan out of the bullpen. Yeah. I mean, you'll take that. No, the twins didn't get any of that. And the twins didn't get themselves a right-handed bat. And it leads me to my thing of like, what's going on? And I, I know that Aaron Gleeman had an article in the athletic and he ripped the team. And that's kind of been the talk of everything. Ken Rosenthal retweeted it and, and, and whatnot. And my article that I wrote for zone coverage is in the same vein. It's not beat for beat. I just want you to know I was writing that uh, before that article was published. I was not uh, copywriting that it's a joke, uh, but uh you know, it the, the Twins backed themselves into a corner with the way that they put this team together this year. I mean, they went out and got Joey Gallo when they already had a glut of left-handed hitting corner outfielders. And, and I know that there was a lot of Twins fans who wanted the Twins to trade for Joey Gallo a year before. And there was an, another number of Twins fans who wanted Joey Gallo to be signed in the winter. And like, that's fine. I get it. Everybody has their guys that they think like, you know, hey, what if the Twins sign this guy? Like, I thought after... 2021 i was like hey what if the twins like took a flyer on zach grinky would that work turns out no so like i'm i'm wrong too but like there was a lot of guys who there's a lot of people there's a lot of twins fans who thought that hey this would be a great guy to bring in joey gallo would be a great guy to bring in and he'll have a bounce back season and everything will go great and and i just never saw that now if you go back to the podcast we did back in the winter and if you go back to an article i wrote uh, for zone coverage, probably about November, December, uh, I wrote about, Hey, Cody Bellinger could be a guy. Why don't the twins take a flyer on him? He can play the corner outfield. He can play first base. He can do all these things. And then they signed Joey Gallo in which case it was kind of a moot point, but I would like to say Cody Bellinger is having a great season for the Cubs. In which case you could say CJ, that's not sustainable. In which case I will say really would have only been a one year deal anyways. And then you could have figured it out from there. And, uh, now look, maybe the twins don't necessarily do it because as twins have found almost every veteran hitter they've brought in has been a train wreck. So maybe the results aren't the same, but just want to point out that I said the twins should have brought in Bellinger and nobody really wanted to get on that bandwagon. Turns out Bellinger's having a great year. Every once in a while, a broken clock is right. So, (laughs) so there we go.
but with Joey Gallo, they brought him in despite the fact that they already had Larnick, they already had Walner, they already had Kirilov, and they already have Max Kepler. The Twins decided not to trade Max Kepler, and the Twins decided to roll with the veterans of Kepler and Gallo throughout the season. And I know I've I've talked about Kepler, and I'm not Kepler like I'm like most Twins fans. I've soured on Kepler over the last few years. And here's the thing about Max Kepler. It's not that Kepler is necessarily a bum. He's not a guy that doesn't know how to play baseball. Kepler is fine. He's a league average player. And so what do league average players do? They're either inconsistent or their ceiling is just so low that you never really feel overwhelmed by it. And Kepler has had a couple weeks and that's week in Seattle, especially where he was hitting the stuffing out of the ball. He was playing really well. He was making good plays in the field, even right before the all-star break and things felt like they were starting to turn around. And now things have kind of came back to earth. So my point is, is every time Max Kepler is a hot stretch or a cold stretch, one of the other is going to follow. And that's what a league average player is. He's not good enough to be consistently good. And he's not bad enough to be consistently bad. Kepler is a league average player. And again, having a league average player is fine in certain parts of your roster. Kyle Farmer's a league average player. I mean, production maybe is a little bit less this season, but Kyle Farmer generally in his career is a league average, you know, second slash third baseman. But at the same time, Kyle, Kyle Farmer in that role is fine. If it's like, Hey man, like Royce Lewis is hurt for a week or two. You know, can you fill in in the short term that, you know, you kind of live with it and you're okay. Cause it's a league average player, but if Kyle Farmer was blocking Royce Lewis from getting consistent playing time in the big leagues, like Kepler and Gallo were doing for Matt Walner, for Trevor Larnick, for, you know, whatever, then that's the issue is you have a guy who's not really moving the needle for you. I mean, he's not bad, but he's not moving the needle and you still feel the need to keep him on. Despite the fact that there are younger guys who you need to figure out if they're going to be part of your plan or not, and you're stashing them in triple a. And that, that was the part that never really sat right with me in the way that the twins handled handled the corner outfield spots. And again, you know, Falvey said in his piece, you know, we, we didn't want to bump anybody off of this juggernaut of a roster, uh, a twins roster that's had, that's on pace to strike out the most of all time. Uh, it's not been good. Uh, and I know strikeouts, I'm not, I'm, I've softened my stance on strikeouts even more than I did even just a couple of years ago. But at the same time, when you're on pace to set the league record in strikeouts and you don't even have like a record breaking home run team to at least soften that blow, things are going to get pretty ugly for you. And they have for a lot of the part of the twins offense this season. Now, one of the critiques is, wow, they really could have used the Luisa rise, Luisa, how the team stinks at hitting and they traded their best hitter. I've heard a lot of people say that, and you're not wrong. Like, Trading your eyes didn't help, but I don't think it hurt it as much as we're maybe making it out to be one, because especially over the last month, Ed Julian is performing at Louisa rise level, or at least close enough production to kind of make up for that loss at the plate. The other thing is with the Louisa rise trade is the twins are scoring the same amount of runs without Louisa rise as they did last season. The last time I checked the twins average about 4.3, 4.4 runs a game this year and last year they averaged about that same number and you think that that sounds like a lot of runs but it's not and the twins did not really score offense consistently last year this uh, offense is a lot like last year's offense and when they score they can score in bunches but when they don't they're going to win games two to one at best like they're going to hang on by the skin of their teeth and you saw that with twins games so far this season and so with the Arise trade, my, my, my whole point is 
look, he's a really good hitter. He's going to win the batting title and he's going to get some MVP votes and he should. I want nothing but success for Luis Arise. But at the same time, the tw- the trade is fine. It's not necessarily the big heist that some Twins fans want to make it out to be. And it's definitely not, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the curse of the Bambino trade kind of deal. The Twins gave up a good player to get a good player. Pablo Lopez has been a good player. He's third in the league in strikeouts. He's uh, 13th in the league in innings pitched. He's got his ERAs and where it needs to be, but his fielding independent pitching or FIP is in a really good spot. It basically signifies that FIP does kind of projecting forward that he's pitched really well. And when you look at the twins and, and and when you look at Pablo Lopez, he went to an all-star game. He's had all this success. His ERA hasn't been where it's wanted to be, but there's the makings there of a good pitcher. And for Pablo Lopez to be around the same age as Jose Barrios and to be making now, because he signed that contract extension that we talked about last time on the podcast, Lopez is what Barrios, the twins wanted Barrios to be. And Lopez has a little bit higher of a ceiling. They're not necessarily too far apart because Jose Barrios has picked it up this year in Toronto. He's played a lot better than he did last year, but uh, he's a guy that's pitching for about the same amount of money that Barrios would have wanted. And the twins are getting what they needed and he's going to be a twin for the next few years. So again, I don't necessarily see it as bad trade. It's not like a a plus 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 plus, but to pretend it's some unmitigated disaster is just not quite true. Uh, another aspect of the twins that kind of held them back roster construction wise is the fact that Byron Buxton's your DH. And this has been a big point of contention. And we talked about it early in the season, but I think by now, when I was talking, I assumed Byron Buxton would be back in the starting lineup at some point throughout the season. And he hasn't been, and I've heard this all the time and people are not wrong when they have a criticism of, you know, Buxton is a five tool player. And essentially the only tool you're asking him to do is use his power. Well, then what's the point of having a guy who can field and run and hit the ball for contact and hit the ball hard and, and do all of these things that a five tool player like Byron Buxton's talent level has. And I get it. I get it. I get why that's frustrating because you want to see Byron Buxton do all of those things. Because at the end of the day, as much as we want to see the twins win, we also want to be entertained by the game of baseball. And nobody is more entertaining when he's playing right than Byron Buxton. And having him as your DH isn't the end of the world in the sense of he's on pace to play the second most career games that he's ever had in a season. That's good. But on the outside of Byron Buxton is the fact of when he was, if he was your DH last season, let's say you wouldn't like it, but you'd live with it at least a lot more than what people have been this year. But when Byron Buxton has a OPS of like 720, that's not what a designated hitter should be. The designated hitter should be one of the best hitters on your lineup. It should be a guy who has an OPS of over 900 or a guy who has an 850 OPS. Somebody who is just a really, really consistently good hitter. And the Twins haven't gotten that with Byron Buxton. And that's really the most frustrating part is as bad as struggled. Now he began to turn it around a little bit while coming off the paternity list. But then of course, not on the IL, but you know, missed the last couple games with a hamstring issue. We'll see if he's in the lineup today against the Diamondbacks at Target Field. I've not gotten the lineup yet, so can't really confirm on what's going on. But the main thing is, is when you have your DH have such a low level of production, you think, okay, well, that guy's not the DH anymore. 
But because he's Byron Buxton and because the Twins are committed to him so financially like they are with Correa, you can't necessarily boot him. And the Twins aren't going to send him back out into center field. So they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here. Because if they want to trade for a right-handed bat and want to still keep Gallo and Kepler and Walner and Larnick and whatever in the lineup consistently, well, you could just pop them in a DH or DH could be a revolving door of hitters. But that's not how it turned out because the Twins didn't really have much roster space to give and at the same time again you're not going to bench Buxton you're not going to bench Buxton you're not going to send him down despite certain fans wishes you're you're stuck with him he has to perform unless he's hurt then you put him in the IL but it's not doing Buxton any favors being DH right now because he's not hitting well and he's not fielding and he's not providing the team any value in that way Michael A. Taylor has been a good replacement. He has been all right when it comes to uh, fielding and been all right when it comes to hitting. He's definitely hit more home runs than we all thought he was capable of. But at the end of the day, he's still no Byron Buxton and his contact hitting skills leave a lot to be desired. Let's just uh, let's just put it that way. So the Twins have a glut of left-handed hitting corner outfielders. They can't trade for a right-handed hitting corner outfielder because it's going to have to bump one of them. They can't trade for another outfielder because Byron Buxton's coming back. So you got to be careful about that. The Twins also, with their bullpen, did not want to. Uh, let's get to the bullpen in a second. The Twins with their right handed hitting, because they can say, well, look, we got the guys to be able to do it. We got a lot of right handed hitters. There's Farmer, there's Solano, there's Willie Castro, who's a switch hitter, but you get my point. And even then, the Twins still haven't been able to capitalize. They have a lot of right-handed hitters, and they are not able to hit left-handed pitching, which, again, when you have a lot of guys who are setting their career highs in strikeouts and a team who's about to set the league record in strikeouts, that at some point, I know players are the ones who first and rightly probably get blamed, but we do have to look at not necessarily Baldelli, but David Popkins, just how the Twins approach hitting, how Derek Falvey approaches hitting, how exactly does that look like? Because it's been a mess right now. Just an absolute mess uh, for the Twins when it comes to trying to figure out how to finagle all these guys and get them into play and and whatnot. Uh, with the Twins' bullpen, uh, not necessarily been going great. Duran has looked a lot more human lately. Uh, Emilio Pagan has been better, but still, I don't trust. I mean, I don't trust Emilio Pagan. I'm not touching him with a 10 foot pole. Giovanni Moran, who is starting to get my trust, then started blowing up again. And really, when you think about it, the twins don't have anybody to turn to outside of Duran. They don't have uh, anybody to go to. They had Brock Stewart for a little bit, but he got hurt with a shoulder issue. And at first, it was a preemptive kind of IL stint. And then the more it went on, the more it was like, is this guy ever going to come back? And he just got transferred to the 60 day IL. So I can't remember what day officially he can get reinstated, but that's a huge blow to the twins. Uh, And again, another bullpen arm would have helped out. They were never able to get that high end closer. Somebody could be on the back end of their bullpen and let Duran be the firefighter. Yohan Duran is pretty much the closer. The twins couldn't find a setup man uh, for Duran either. And again, they, they just put themselves in a really bad spot because it's not, I mean, I get the prices were a little bit higher than they normally would be. And maybe that's what it came down to is the prices were too high and the twins didn't want to deal their mid-level prospects for rental players for two months who weren't even that good. Anyway, I Get it from that aspect. But from the aspect of what are we doing here? Are we competing for a division? Are, are we trying to do something? 
And I'm not a do something for the sake of doing something crowded. I'm not a do something kind of guy. But what I am is like, uh, this team is in need of just a couple touch-ups. And you're not going to do that? And you know what happens when you don't touch up your vehicle all the time? It falls apart. And that's the thing with the Twins deadline that's so frustrating is I understand that Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton are the big things and locking your lineup and having them hit will kind of a bleed down effect. And that's not wrong. But at the same time, and I've been saying, but at the same time, a lot today, they just haven't, they haven't hit, they haven't pitched, they haven't done things well. I mean, they've ran the bases a little bit better, but this Twins team, I mean, they made it's I've said it all season long. It's like the twins made a curse with the monkey's paw. And they're like, we finally want good starting pitching. And then the monkey's paw curled and the monkey's paw gave them great pitching, but just horrible, horrible hitting. And that's where the twins stand on that issue. And on the issue of the trade deadline, spent a lot of time talking about the trade deadline, but I think it is important to, uh, to mention that because the twins box themselves into a corner with the roster construction. They have too many veterans, too many young guys who have reached the high minors who are just desperately begging for their call up and they can barely get it. And yeah, it's just not been an ideal situation for the twins around this trade deadline period. And it's not been ideal for the twins either because Byron Buxton, of course, could potentially go back on the IL after missing the last couple games with a hamstring issue. If you also look at the twins, they're two and four on their Missouri road trip, including a sweep in Kansas city against the Royals. The Royals swept the twins and then Minnesota came right back and they beat the, uh, the twins came back and beat the St. Louis Cardinals Two to one in a three game series. And now they look to go on to their next matchup against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And that could be an interesting team to play for. I know they're a lot better than they were in years past, but how exactly good are they? How have their young players developed? That'll really be fun uh, to get to go watch them do that. Uh, but going two and four on that Missouri road trip is just downright embarrassing because not only does it allow Cleveland to just kind of hang with you, not only are you playing the AL Central but also you're playing the NL Central. And the NL Central isn't necessarily known for its ability to cook tacos and prepare them and, and do all that. So for, I just, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just in a, I'm in an interesting spot. I kind of lost my train of thought there, uh, which probably means it's time to move on uh, to a new topic. When you lose against, when you lose two series against the two teams in the worst divisions in baseball, the two last place teams, things aren't necessarily uh, looking good. Although I will say Michael A. Taylor did hit an absolute bomb in a big Mac land, which is, uh, which is pretty fun. Uh, now there's this other thing to get to about Joe Ryan and Dallas Keuchel. So Dallas Keuchel, of course, signed with the twins. You guys know the whole, uh, ordeal. He was with the Minnesota twins, signed a minor league deal. He was pitching in St. Paul. He had a deadline of which he could say, all right, well, uh, these other teams are saying that they want to go sign me. I'm going to opt out of this contract. And then, uh, at the very last second, they put like a two week extension and that was going to go to the trade deadline. We got to the trade deadline. Nobody got traded. He didn't get traded. He officially requested his release. And then after requesting his release, uh, he's going to, uh, he was going to leave the team. And then at the, you know, the very last second, he was able to find a spot on the twins because Joe Ryan is going on the injured list 
with a groin strain or a groin pull or aggravation or somewhere along those lines, he's going to miss it. But Joe Ryan has been a bad pitcher. He's had an ERA over eight over the month of July and his last month in June when you factor in the Braves start in Atlanta and then the entire month of July and then now into the first week of August, it has been bad, 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 bad for Joe Ryan to try and get back on track. And I've been giving up way too many homers. Uh, the stat that was floating around the internet was that uh, he'd given up so many homers in a six or seven game stretch that it's a record. And honestly, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, chasing some of those around and, and, and trying to, to figure out some of that with it, with uh, the injuries and with Ryan, but overall it's just a, Joe Ryan can't be lying about his injuries. And that's what Rocco Baldelli pretty much insinuated is that look like Joe Ryan pulled it during the start in Atlanta and he pitched really bad sense. And turns out he pitched really bad because he got hurt and was trying to treat it on his own and it wasn't ending up well. And it's just not a good look for him. It's not a good look for the team. And now they're going to have to call up Dallas Keuchel, who again has a very, very low ERA, was the independent league pitcher of the month in AAA. Uh, But will that translate into the big league baseball? And by the way, those hitters are better than they are in AAA. So how much is that going to factor in uh, to Dallas Keuchel coming on as a new member of the Twins? I don't know, but things are going to get pretty interesting uh, for Keuchel. I'm not sure when he's expected to pitch, if he's expected to pitch this weekend or next weekend, but either way, it is a big development uh, for the Twins. Now, necessarily, I wasn't pounding on the drum for them to call up Dallas Keuchel and have him play and have him do all this kind of stuff, but hey, some people are really happy about it. Let him have that, but Joe Ryan, it's really irresponsible for him, and I've been told this before of like, you know, the difference between playing injured and playing hurt. And, you know, if you're not playing, but you're injured, you're actually helping your team because if you're injured and playing, you're not helping them either. You're not Michael Jordan trying to play through the sick game. You're not, uh, uh, you know, all these other things. You're not LeBron James trying to play through stuff. You're not this, you're not that, but it's just stinks because you could have let somebody come up. You could have let Dallas Keiko come up. You could have let Louis Varland come up. You could have let the twins trade for a guy at the bullpen. Now, who knows maybe if they would have did it, but you still could have had that opportunity. And for him not to say that is just overly selfish and overly not a great play. But again, things are not, not necessarily going great in twins land, but the silver lining out of this is that Dallas Keuchel is a Dallas Keuchel is a bridge between him and Louis Varland and the rest of the rotation. So he's not necessarily going to be a twin for life. Louis Varland will be um, and get to pitch in his hometown and Matt Walner getting to play in his hometown as well. Matt Walner, a forest Lake guy. Anyway, uh, a couple other things uh, um, with the call-ups as we had a Brooks Lee and uh, and, uh, excuse me, I got to look at my sheet here. I can't even read my own handwriting. Um, when you look at Brooks Lee and you look at Dishon Kersey and you look at Junior Severino, the twins are calling up all those three guys from double A to triple A. Do we see Brooks Lee at some point this season? I highly doubt it, but I have this weird gut level feeling that he could be because once you're in double A, you basically can get called up to the big leagues at any moment. And that is especially true in triple A. So we'll see how that situation develops. Uh, Lopez versus Lopez. Again, we've already talked about some of the, about Jorge Lopez and Pablo Lopez and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
the one thing that's coming up this weekend, and let's project uh, forward a little bit because the Twins are playing the Diamondbacks. Twins do have an opportunity to get back into the win column uh, at home as they take on Arizona. And Joe Maurer is getting put into the Twins Hall of Fame this weekend, which is really, really fun. Uh, I was there for Joe Maurer's jersey retirement day when they retired his number. And I think if you look, well, the microphone the microphone might be covering it up a little bit, but if you can see uh, behind me on the stream, one of those hats is a Joe Maurer commemorative hat for when he got his number retired. So I'm looking to try and see if I can stay another one of those cool things right there while we speak. Um, outside of that, I think it just goes to show, and we can talk more about Joe Maurer next week, but overall, Joe Maurer is definitely a Hall of Famer. Joe Maurer is definitely one of my favorite twins growing up, and I was somebody who lost love for him towards the end of his career, and then in the very last couple years of his career, I really softened on on Joe Maurer and just got to remember what kind of a great baseball player he was and how important he was for this team. And overall, uh, how important he was for the team, it's just a great feeling. It's a great feeling uh, to see Joe Maurer get that Hall of Fame induction ceremony although I probably would have rather just had the hall of fame induction and the number retiring happen in the same day, but they're the twins. They got to milk it for all it's worth. So again, thanks for sticking with me on the stream. A little bit shorter podcast today, or maybe we'll just keep them around that length. I don't know. Uh, Apologize. My video feed is a little weird. If my audio is a little weird Uh, first podcast back and there's nowhere to go, but starting and now there's nowhere to go, but up after that. So thanks everybody for sticking with me. I'll talk to you next week. We'll see how the Twins did against the Diamondbacks. We'll catch you next time on the Minnesota, or on the, uh, excuse me, Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast.